0: Everybody. Welcome into the back room. We're excited to bring you another midweek episode. Uh, very excited to have Rick Wilson back in the back room with us. Uh, Rick is the inimitable and renowned political strategist, infamous ad maker, writer, speaker, political commentator, co-founder of the Political Action Committee, The Lincoln Project, and a two-time New York Times bestselling author. Rick, welcome back into the back room. Well, thank you, Andy.
1: Appreciate it. Glad to be back with you.
0: I want to ask you about the Chinese high-altitude surveillance balloon. Do you think this is something that Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, Jewish space lasers can take out?
1: You know, I'm not sure if the space lasers are at the right orbital inclination to be able to go after the balloon. I think they're more <laughs> like an equatorial orbit, so it's it's going to be dodgy. But uh, you know, given given uh, given, apparently our our. Semitic high-energy weapon technology that Marge believes in, we should be okay.
0: (laughs) So in the hierarchy of balloon defense systems, you're saying it's, it's just not quite there yet?
1: You know, I, I, think, I think a directed energy weapon of some kind probably in, probably, probably something to fry the, uh, the intelligence platform underneath it, microwave radiation. So the space lasers, I don't know. It's a top-down problem. The balloon may not be vulnerable from the top. You, you never can tell.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about all, all the craziness that's going on in the house. Let's start with, like, yesterday's sure. vote to boot Ilhan Omar. right. When I see what's going on, I have such a visceral reaction that makes my blood curl. When when you have people like Gosar who tweeted out images of murder, when you have mm-hmm. Marjorie Taylor Greene who denies that a plane hit the Pentagon on 9-11 and and stalks, you know, teenagers like David Hogg down the street or, you know, uh, all this stuff that, you know, we, we see coming, it's George Santos, but yet Omar is not capable or qualified enough like what, what what do you take away from all this
1: you know andy look the the attack on ilhan omar I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be slightly contrarian here she did make it easy for them with some of the anti-semitic stuff that she has said in the past and, mm-hmm. and has not and has not fully walked back i'm not gonna i'm not gonna excuse those things from her but um just because they made it easy for him doesn't mean it's the right thing for them to do
0: but yes, has she, yes, I mean, yes. I, from what I can see, she has, I mean, I've heard her apologize. I've heard her say she met with Jewish leaders and she's, she, she understands how the comments she made were, you know, pre, yeah, were insensitive and, look, I, and dangerous. I, like she,
1: she has walked it back some, but mm-hmm. I, but I think it still wasn't to the point where, where it was unimpeachably, you know, clear. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that made it, that made it for these people easy. And it also made it. Uh, in the sort of mob boss thinking that dominates today's Republican Party, you know, it's you come at one of our guys, we're going to come at one of your guys. Mm-hmm. So they were having their revenge on Swalwell, Schiff and mm-hmm. Omar uh, because they felt like, um, you know, Green and and a, and Gosar and a couple of these other idiots were booted. And so they had to have this sort of tit for tat thing. Now, I will also say, despite what I think are some are some fairly, you know, uh, ugly prior statements on it. I don't think it rose to the level of expelling her from the committee
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, because if you want to get down to to what they're really saying, uh, underneath it all is she's not an American enough for their committee Mm -hmm. because the the anti-Semitism stuff had a layer to it. But what they're really saying is she's from Somalia. She's not us. She's not an American. She doesn't have the same – we're not going to be in a in a political environment where differences of opinion can be allowed. We're going to find the way to poke at the ethnic underpinning of what we hate the most, mm-hmm. and that is somebody, and they they, they hate her because. <clears throat> and look, I'm not I'm not in the Omar fan club, mm-hmm. but they hate her at a different at a at a level that is completely incomprehensible outside of the MAGA movement. They hate her because. They, well, the, the thing they hate in the world the very, very most is the propositional story of America, where she came as, as somebody who came to this country legally, mm-hmm. thank you very much, became a citizen, became an activist, rose up, ran for Congress, got the votes of her constituents in her district, and won. Mm-hmm. Now, that is the most American goddamn thing I can think of. Because we are not a country based on a single race or a single religion or a single ethnicity, and and I know that you know these there there's these two competing streaks inside the the, the Republican religious right of both hardcore Catholics, you know, and, and you know speaking as an ex on that, mm-hmm. um, and and hardcore evangelicals, they believe that the the number one taint of Ilhan Omar is that she is a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and their reaction has always been that way to her. They have really gone after her from the very beginning. Oh, she married her brother. She did the, it's all bullshit. But, you know, but look, they're going to have this sort of petty vengeful bullshit that they do. Um, And they were going to take out the lowest hanging possible uh, targets that they could. And, and she was, she was a lower hanging target. And again, Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm not a, a b- agreeing or approving with their decision um but you know she certainly she certainly they they had a lot of ammunition going in mm-hmm. and they had ex- they didn't have reasons but they had excuses and she gave them some excuses. Mm-hmm. I will say this also. I, I look I'm not like a like an AOC fanboy. I think she's you know I think she's very social media centric and and camera and and very and and the camera loves her. Uh, but man, she actually had one of the best four speeches I've seen in a long time yesterday. She lit amazing. that place the fuck up. Mm-hmm. She was not
0: putting up, she was not taking any prisoners on that And shit. then she had that <laughs> slap thing at the end where she pissed off uh-huh. and walked away, which was great. How right. high and, up... And I'm sorry, go ahead. I heard, I heard
1: one Republican say, how dare she speak with those tones on the floor of the House. I have seen some <laughs> shit from the Republican Party in the last eight years on the floor of the House that makes that look like right. the Oxford debating society.
0: Yeah, them talking about tone is pretty rich. Uh, how high up on the list of demands uh, when, when Mc- McCarthy was desperate to become speaker, how high up on the list was, do you think, getting rid of uh, Omar was? I don't think it was really on the list. I mean, I think don't they think had it? a
1: lot of other... No, I think they had a lot of other fish to fry. These people want committee seats. They want power. Now, look... They were gonna. They were gonna. They were gonna overwhelm her on whatever committee she was on anyway. Mm-hmm. Just the way that Kevin was always gonna stack the deck. But then, from what I understand from discussions with people inside the process, all the demands were as cynical and as venal and as shitty as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. They wanted their committee chairs. They wanted to be where the lobbyists would be bringing them wheelbarrows full of money. They wanted to be on committees where they were gonna get a lot of camera time. Mm. And that's that's what this whole Kabuki dance bullshit with Matt Gates and the rest of them really came down to in the end. Mm-hmm. And and it, McCarthy peeled them off one by one by saying, okay, you're now going to be on the investigating the investigators investigations committee. Mm-hmm. You're now going to be on blah, blah, blah. And and in doing so, he was able to, you know, in the in the in the oldest song as old as
0: time in DC, you know, he basically bought them. Mm-hmm. And what uh, so what do you think happens in midst all of this that we're talking about? What happens to George Santos 30 days from now, 60 well, days from now? What are we going to be looking at, do you think?
1: Well, look, I, I think McCarthy's majority is so small that even one vote changes the game. Mm-hmm. That is not the most red district in the world. They they fear that the Santos radiation there is so strong right now that if they if they ran a Republican it probably will end up being somebody who had endorsed him or backed him or knew him. or So they're going to keep him in a box. They're going to hide him. They're going to roll him out for votes. <laughs> and they're going to tell him, shut the fuck up. stay <laughs> quiet. Stop talking to the press. Stop doing the walk every morning from your office. Tweeting. Just come to the floor. Yeah, stop tweeting. Come to the floor when we tell you. Come to committee uh, if you if it's an absolute deal breaker. But... I I think they're going to try to keep him, you know, it's like, it's like he has become the single most embarrassing Republican scandal story in Washington. And I dealt as a crisis manager with a number of the worst scandals out of Washington that you've heard of and some you haven't, Mm -hmm. you know, including people with dominatrixes and who, you know, wore diapers and all this other crazy shit. (laughs) George Santos is an order of magnitude above these people. He is a level of insanity and pathology and, and fabulism that I, I've never seen in
0: my very long and speckled career. Mm-hmm. By the way, as someone who's uh, 63, I, I don't, let's not mock diapers because we never know – like I don't know how <laughs> – how many diapers there might be? in Oh my no, no, of...
1: I wasn't talking about that
0: kind <laughs> of diaper. <laughs> but you know, is George Santos capable as a sociopath? Is he capable of doing what you just said? If if that's what he's been told to do, to shut uh, the fuck up. I, and... I I think he's so he's so on the he's so on the hustle. He's so on the
1: grift that he'll say he'll say to himself, "Well, you know what? If I do what I'm told and I wait it out, mm-hmm. I might be able to somehow." Figure a way to engineer the field so that, you know, uh, I can run again. And and look, in this day and age, you know, we, we started in the beginning joking about Marjorie Taylor Greene, joking about space lasers. In this day and age, George Santos is not such an outlier in terms of, of saying stupid shit. hmm that that you could automatically say that he won't someday be Speaker of the House. I was you just going to say he could be that. Speaker
0: in two years. Uh, you're you're a hundred. May already be Speaker. He just hasn't <laughs> told us yet. Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene is basically de facto Speaker. So why not?
1: Well, no, she actually Marjorie Taylor Greene is the most powerful person in D.C. Other than the President.
0: Mm-hmm. Isn't She's that crazy? More powerful
1: than Mitch. More powerful than Mitch McConnell. More powerful than Kevin McCarthy by an order of magnitude. Um, and and the the level to which she has become the gop i mean that i talked to somebody today I, I an old friend of mine from an, another state not florida i see on their state thing that they've invited or she's going to come and speak at one of these things in this late spring early summer and i'm like i call him up i'm like listen we disagree on trump are you fucking kidding me with this thing Are you are you fucking kidding me? You're having Marjorie Taylor fucking Green come to speak. What the hell's wrong with you people? And he's like, "Oh man, she's so popular. The base loves her. They can't get enough. She's hot. Future. She's hot." (laughs) And you know, as the guy who led the fight, who in 2015 stood up and said, "Oh fuck's sake, I'm not doing this. I'm not playing this game with this Mm -hmm. Trump guy." Mm -hmm. Um, I have long ago gotten over. The sort of sense of like hallucination and and like uh, bafflement that the Republicans are doing something completely weird and and, and outside of anything we once once believed in. Mm-hmm. I, I it's it's now a feature of the the party, not a bug. Mm-hmm. It's going to become more extreme. It's going to become weirder. It's it's less ideological than it was before, mm-hmm. but it's more conspiratorial. It's less driven by any kind of policy, but it's more driven by power. So the uh, the rise of the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Matt Gaetz, the Paul Gosars, the Andy mm-hmm. Biggs, the Lauren Boberts, and, and 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 now there are actually a younger generation, a couple of these younger members of the House, who are already saying like, well, no, uh, Marjorie Taylor Green's gone. She's gone native. She's gone. She's gone inside. She's compromised now. We have to be more pure. They're going to eventually. Like all magas do, they will they will continue to eat themselves from the tail up. Mm-hmm. They'll keep like the snake that eats itself, the Ouroboros worm. They're going to keep eating themselves because the, there's no level of purity you can achieve mm-hmm. that someone crazier can't say. Well, what do you mean? We didn't just build the wall. We built the robot alligator laser trench, and <laughs> you know then it'll be like, well, why aren't we barbecuing the immigrants and feeding them to the prisoners? And they will go crazier and crazier and crazier. It will go up and up and up and up and up. And we laugh about it, Andy. But the, the fact of the matter is part of what appeals to a large demographic inside the Republican base today is the transgression, is, mm-hmm. the, is the owning of the lips, is the Looney Tunes, like weird-ass comments about what we should do on things that civilized normal human beings are repulsed by.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And 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 because the, they act this way, they get rewarded. They're on what we call the hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. So Marjorie Taylor Green or Warren Boebert or Matt Gates comes out and says something outrageous. Barbecue the illegal aliens, they say. <laughs> and then when normal people and the news and reporters say, you "Can't barbecue the illegal aliens," that's outrageous. Then Tucker or Marge or Boebert, they run onto Fox News. They go on Tucker or Sean or Laura Ingram or wherever. And they say, I can't believe they're trying to cancel me. They're trying to cancel me. They hate me because the elites don't. And then they put out a direct email fundraising thing to their base and said, did you see me on Tucker? I'm fighting for you because otherwise the the illegal aliens will barbecue your children. And it's all crazy talk. And I use that example because it's so insane. Mm. It's all crazy. It never gets less crazy. They're going to keep punching and punching and punching and punching. Because they've trapped themselves with a base that has so cauterized itself off from the rest of reality Mm -hmm. um, and that believes things like that Donald Trump is still the president, that you can shove a UV light up your ass and cure COVID. All these like whimsical fantasy things that they that they have that have become definitional to the to their GOP have, have now put America in a position where one party is run by mad men and mad women and. That will accelerate. There is no getting off that bus. You don't get to change that ball game. They will keep doing this and doing this and
0: doing this. They will never stop until the party itself is broken. So under the under that umbrella, let's talk about twenty four for a second. We we saw this week that the Republican with the biggest balls, uh, Nikki Haley. She came out, mm-hmm. and she was the first to announce that she's running. Now we see Hogan, and I'm sure, like dominoes, they're all going to fall into place in the next thirty days or whatever, and we'll end up with ten or fifteen candidates. What do you make of that? And is that a, is that going to be a repeat of 2016, where he gets thirty percent or whatever, and they get three, four, five percent each, and and then he gets the nomination, or is That's he is takes. he so much of a pinata right now? And is what happened this week, is that an indication that he's weak, that they don't fear him anymore, they don't see him as the leader of the party? Like, are we at some kind of um, uh, inflection point? (laughs) I keep keep dreaming for the inflection point, but it it never seems to come. But
1: the the Mm -hmm. worst thing you can do, the worst thing anyone can do in our political environment is to underestimate what the worst outcome can be. Mm Mm-hmm. We, at politically speaking, are a nation in the hands of a cruel and angry God. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump still has... Let, let, let's review the bidding in the last few weeks. Donald Trump got his candidate to be Speaker of the House. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those extremists on the floor were Trump people, but Kevin McCarthy was a Trump person. Kevin mm-hmm. McCarthy came out and said the first thing he said, the first person he thanked after winning... Was Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump got his Republican Party chairman, even though she's run four or three disastrous election cycles in a row. Mm -hmm. And she's the least competent party chairman of my lifetime. And and I've I've seen the party. The party's had basically two good chairmen in the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, um, Michael Steele set the bar for it, frankly, um, because he went out and won state legislative races all over the country. Ah, uh, Rana has seen the decline and loss of state legislative seats and of congressional seats. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 won back Congress this year, not with the sixty-five seats she and others promised, but with so few seats you have to have George Santos as the deal maker in, in chief. Um, so Donald Trump got those too. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump still has among Republican voters; mm-hmm. he still leads Ron DeSantis in every likely Republican primary voter poll by 25 to 35 points Mm -hmm. if you have Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence and every other dog and cat in the race and Ron DeSantis does get in and look I I have seen this I've been to this rodeo a lot of times in 2016 Jeb Bush was absolutely positively totally going to be the president because all the money was with him and everybody thought he was going to be president I've seen that with Scott Walker with Tim Pawlenty with Rudy Giuliani Mm -hmm. I've I've seen this play out over and over again. Ron DeSantis right now is living in a bubble. The bubble is created on the one hand by Republicans who are desperately trying to get out of the Trump era, the National Review guys, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and a handful of other you know groups, including some never-Trump groups, who are like, well, DeSantis is just not Trump. He'll mm-hmm. be okay. Mm-hmm. He's a normal Republican. I disagree with that theory of the case, but I understand their reasoning. And then he's in the bubble created by, here's an irony for you. A whole bunch of very, very wealthy mega donors, who are very liberal socially, who are very kleptocratic financially. Uh, they're Wall Street hedge fund people, exactly the per- the sort of person who really understands the economic anxiety we're speaking to in <laughs> the Republican base. And, and those people, those billionaires, are they're desperate to be p- at, d- to get rid of Trump. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, the same guys uh, who in 2016. Said, I'm with Jeb till the end. We're gonna give Jeb Super PAC two hundred million dollars, and they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and once that money was burned up on a bonfire of bad ideas um, from their Super PAC, that you ended up with a, a bunch of billionaires who said, "Well." And I used to talk to these guys all the time because before Trump, I mostly did had had transitioned to doing Super PAC stuff. So I was one of those guys that went and sat down with billionaire guys and bank, you know, Wall Street people you know, investment banking people, private equity folks, and said, oh, we ought to get the super PAC here to help this or that person, right? And I used to talk to him back in 16, and the, the arc was so transparent, and you're going to see this arc happen again. Mm-hmm. I'm with Jeb. I'm never leaving Jeb. Jeb is the future. Jeb is a moderate Republican. Jeb can get everything done. He's a great conservative leader. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And then as Jeb started to falter, they are like, well, I'm going to help Cruz. I'm going to help Marco." I, uh, you know, I, I'm going to give Christie, Chris Christie some money or I'm, and they they were lost. Right. And then it was, well, fuck Trump's the nominee. What am I going to do? I'm not going to do anything. And then about two weeks later, all of them, cause they are herd animals in a big way. were calling like, Hey, don't be mad at me, man, but I, I'm going to give Trump a million dollars. I give him a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. My legislative affairs guys, my lobbying team says we got to do it or we're going to get screwed. Mm-hmm. They all did. Then they showed up at the inauguration, Mm -hmm. and then they took cabinet positions, and then they spent four years wearing a red hat over their $450 haircuts, and pretending that they never heard the name Jeb Bush. Now, right now, those same people, in fact, many of the exact same people, are saying, I'm done with Trump, Ron DeSantis is the man, I'm never leaving Ron DeSantis, no matter what happens. And watch what happens to these guys when Trump wins Iowa, New Hampshire, South mm-hmm. Carolina, a couple of other early states, and the news media attention starts going back onto Trump.
0: Yeah, look, they've already... They, whether, can't, they can't
1: stop themselves. Right. They're token, already doing...
0: Su- Sununu, they've already said, if he's a nominee, we're going well, to vote for him.
1: Yeah, those guys are like, oh, well, they're just the a nominee, I'm going to vote for him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so so much for those. Uh, we can talk about that in a second, but so when Trump starts to do that, Ron DeSantis is going to get a phone call one day. It'll be from one of the bigger of these guys, probably like a Brian Ballard type guy. He'll say... Ron, listen, man, we love you. You are the future. We're going to stick with you in the 2028 race. But for now, you know, it looks like Donald's going to do this thing. And we really think he, you know, we're going to have to be there. My legislative lobbying people are telling me I better get back on the train with Trump because, you know, what would happen if I didn't? And we love you, Ron, but... And and he'll lose 50% of them in the early Mm -hmm, going. mm Mm-hmm. By the time it gets ugly and he's burned through his money, because they all do, by the way, they all do. Jeb raised $220 million. Rudy raised 200 and something million. dollars. They all burn through the money. There's nothing like campaigning. You shovel the money on a bonfire and then pour <laughs> gas on it and then run a jet engine to heat the thing up even further to incinerate more money faster. And you will end up, when it gets bad, when it gets tight, when it gets really difficult... They're going to say, hey, Ron, listen, I, I'm, I'm sending Trump a million dollars today. I just want to give you a heads up. And it'll get real lonely. and It'll get real depressing. And, and Trump's structural advantages of name ID, mm-hmm. of a persistent number of the Republican base. You know, when you look at 28 percent of the Republican base in our polling says they won't vote for anyone if Trump isn't on the ballot. Mm-hmm. That is a bullet to the head of the Republican Party in the general election. Cycle. Sure is. And if Trump gets pissed off and says, screw y'all, I'm going to run as an independent. Many states have a sore loser law. Uh, he can still run as a write-in. He could put Don Jr. on the ballot in those states. He could do a lot of shenanigans to, to hurt mm-hmm. a DeSantis ticket. And believe me, Trump doesn't care about the party per se. He cares about the controlling the fundraising vehicle mm-hmm. under the Republican party's brand. Right. So he will perfectly willingly blow up Ron DeSantis or any
0: other person who somehow got the nomination. Um, because he's Trump, right? He is who he is. You know, he's the snake. Well, we'll end on that. Thank you for your time. Great to have you back. Absolutely.
1: On. Andy. great to have with, we're to be with you as always. And, uh, hope folks can, can listen to my podcast, the enemies list, which is available everywhere. Fine podcasts are found. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and read my columns at Resolute Square. Any new books and, uh, coming out? There'll be something on that
0: soon. All right. Well, then you'll we'll, come back. We'll, and... have,
1: we'll have that discussion uh, <laughs> soon.
0: righty. <Okay>. Take <laughs> care. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Andy. Talk Bye. to you soon. Bye-bye. That's episode 40. If you like what you've been hearing, and even if you don't, let us know. We appreciate the feedback. You can leave us a message at 845-307-7446. Email us at backloomandy at gmail.com or tweet to me at Andy Ostroy. And when you listen, please take a quick moment to rate and review. It's very helpful. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Maddie Rosenberg, associate producer, Jen Hamoud, Cricket Langell for our artwork, Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music, Patricia Wynn and the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big thank you again to our guest, Rick Wilson. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards, and we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week.